Blog Talk Radio. We assembled here today are issuing a new decree to be heard in every city, in every foreign capital, and in every hall of power. From this day forward, a new vision will govern our land. From this day forward, it's going to be only America first. America first. Every decision on trade, on taxes, on immigration, on foreign affairs will be made to benefit American workers and American families. We must protect our borders from the ravages of other countries making our products, stealing our companies, and destroying our jobs. Protection will lead to great prosperity and strength. I will fight for you with every breath in my body, and I will never, ever let you down. I am your voice. So to every parent who dreams for their child, and every child who dreams for their future, I say these words to you tonight. I am with you, I will fight for you, and I will win for you. To all Americans tonight, in all of our cities, and in all of our towns, I make this promise. We will make America strong again. We will make America proud again. We will make America safe again. And we will make America great again. God bless you and good night. I love you. Buckle up your seatbelt because this is a wild ride. 
nothing but unfiltered talk and the hardcore truth. Mega, mega, mega. Thank you for tuning into the Rory Sauter Show. Happy Tuesday. I hope you all had a fantastic weekend. I hope it all went accordingly. I hope it was productive. I hope it was all of the above. I am so glad to be back with all of you. Uh, we had a fantastic show on Thursday. We got a lot addressed, a lot talked about. We had amazing guests on. Um, it was just a great time and uh, much, much appreciation. Um, obviously, as we know, there's been a lot going on in the media over the weekend and even uh, in the last couple of days, just starting the week. So, you know, we have a lot to discuss tonight, and we will get to that. First and foremost, I always want to thank my audience. So I want to thank always my co-hosts, my sponsors, and my amazing guests that always come on. Um, we have a packed show tonight, uh, economics expert, historian, professor, political strategist, male, female rights activist, best-selling author, and a contributor to Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Los Angeles Times, USA Today, and Washington Post. Dr. Andrew Yarrow will be calling in. We'll be having popular talk show host, entrepreneur, political activist, and freedom fighter Will Johnson will be calling in. Uh, on the line right now um, is oil and natural gas investor, foreign policy analysis, businessman, motivational speaker, radical Islam expert, and a contributor to Daily Caller, Clash Daily, Live Zet, Daily Surge, and The Hill. Dan Perkins, how are you, buddy? I'm a little tired. It's been a long day, a lot of interviews today. No, I hear you. I hear you. And we'll also be having on tonight the economist, entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, writer for Newsmax, writer for Live Zet, and a professor of finance at Stockton University, Dr. Michael Bussler, uh, will be calling in. Uh, we'll also be hearing from leader of blacks, leaders of Blacks for Trump in a little while. Right now we have political strategist, activist, and lobbyist Josh Halabate on the phone, my co-host. As always, how are you, buddy? Fantastic. How are you? Good, man. Good to have you on, as always. Um, so uh, let, let's get into the main uh, – obviously the main headline tonight is Trump's uh, speech. And uh, for those that did not hear it, I am going to play it. Uh, it's about eight minutes, but uh, the whole world needs to hear this, and then we're going to talk about this, and we're going to, you know, put this all into perspective. So, uh, wow, let the magic begin. One four. My fellow Americans. Tonight, I am speaking to you because there is a growing humanitarian and security crisis at our southern border. 
Every day, Customs and Border Patrol agents encounter thousands of illegal immigrants trying to enter our country. We are out of space to hold them, and we have no way to promptly return them back home to their country. America proudly welcomes millions of lawful immigrants who enrich our society and contribute to our nation. But all Americans are hurt by uncontrolled illegal migration. It strains public resources and drives down jobs and wages. Among those hardest hit are African Americans and Hispanic Americans. Our southern border is a pipeline for vast quantities of illegal drugs, including meth, heroin, cocaine, and fentanyl. Every week, 300 of our citizens are killed by heroin alone, 90% of which floods across from our southern border. More Americans will die from drugs this year than were killed in the entire Vietnam War. In the last two years, ICE officers made 266,000 arrests of aliens with criminal records, including those charged or convicted of 100,000 assaults, 30,000 sex crimes, and 4,000 violent killings. Over the years, thousands of Americans have been brutally killed by those who illegally entered our country, and thousands more lives will be lost if we don't act right now. This is a humanitarian crisis, a crisis of the heart and a crisis of the soul. Last month, 20,000 migrant children were illegally brought into the United States, a dramatic increase. These children are used as human pawns by vicious coyotes and ruthless gangs. One in three women are sexually assaulted on the dangerous trek up through Mexico. Women and children are the biggest victims by far of our broken system. This is the tragic reality of illegal immigration on our southern border. This is the cycle of human suffering that I am determined to end. My administration has presented Congress with a detailed proposal to secure the border and stop the criminal gangs, drug smugglers, and human traffickers. It's a tremendous problem. Our proposal was developed by law enforcement professionals and border agents at the Department of Homeland Security. These are the resources they have requested to properly perform their mission and keep America safe, in fact, safer than ever before. The proposal from Homeland Security includes cutting-edge technology for detecting drugs, weapons, illegal contraband, and many other things. We have requested more agents, immigration judges, and bed space to process the sharp rise in unlawful migration fueled by our very strong economy. Our plan also contains an urgent request for humanitarian assistance and medical support. Furthermore, we have asked Congress to close border security loopholes so that illegal immigrant children can be safely and humanely returned back home. Finally, as part of an overall approach to border security, law enforcement professionals have requested $5.7 billion for a physical barrier, 
at the request of Democrats, it will be a steel barrier rather than a concrete wall. This barrier is absolutely critical to border security. It's also what our professionals at the border want and need. This is just common sense. The border wall would very quickly pay for itself. The cost of illegal drugs exceeds $500 billion a year, vastly more than the $5.7 billion we have requested from Congress. The wall will also be paid for indirectly by the great new trade deal we have made with Mexico. Senator Chuck Schumer, who you will be hearing from later tonight, has repeatedly supported a physical barrier in the past, along with many other Democrats. They changed their mind only after I was elected president. Democrats in Congress have refused to acknowledge the crisis. And they have refused to provide our brave border agents with the tools they desperately need to protect our families and our nation. The federal government remains shut down for one reason and one reason only, because Democrats will not fund border security. My administration is doing everything in our power to help those impacted by the situation. But the only solution is for Democrats to pass a spending bill that defends our borders and reopens the government. This situation could be solved in a 45-minute meeting. I have invited congressional leadership to the White House tomorrow to get this done. Hopefully, we can rise above partisan politics in order to support national security. Some have suggested a barrier is immoral. Then why do wealthy politicians build walls, fences, and gates around their homes? They don't build walls because they hate the people on the outside, but because they love the people on the inside. The only thing that is immoral is the politicians to do nothing and continue to allow more innocent people to be so horribly victimized. America's heart broke the day after Christmas when a young police officer in California was savagely murdered in cold blood by an illegal alien who just came across the border. The life of an American hero was stolen by someone who had no right to be in our country. Day after day, precious lives are cut short by those who have violated our borders. In California, an Air Force veteran was raped, murdered, and beaten to death with a hammer by an illegal alien with a long criminal history. In Georgia, an illegal alien was recently charged with murder for killing, beheading, and dismembering his neighbor. In Maryland, MS-13 gang members who arrived in the United States as unaccompanied minors were arrested and charged last year after viciously stabbing and beating a 16-year-old girl. Over the last several years, I've met with dozens of families whose loved ones were stolen by illegal immigration. I've held the hands of the weeping mothers and embraced the grief stricken.
fathers. So sad. So terrible. I will never forget the pain in their eyes, the tremble in their voices, and the sadness gripping their souls. How much more American blood must we shed before Congress does its job? For those who refuse to compromise in the name of border security, I would ask, imagine if it was your child, your husband, or your wife, whose life was so cruelly shattered and totally broken. For every member of Congress, pass a bill that ends this crisis. To every citizen, call Congress and tell them to finally, after all of these decades, secure our border. This is a choice between right and wrong, justice and injustice. This is about whether we fulfill our sacred duty to the American citizens we serve. When I took the oath of office, I swore to protect our country. And that is what I will always do. So help me God. Thank you and good night. Wow. I mean, our president is not only this country's savior, he's the world savior. This guy is something beyond profound. I mean, you can't put this guy into words how how much of a miracle uh, he is and how much he was sent by God and Jesus. But and to save this, to save all of us, I mean, it's unbelievable. But what I, w- I do want to get to real quick is that, you know, he brings up one of the best points is that, and I've been saying this for a long time, you know, all these people that are enabling illegals to invade our country and have all these benefits like welfare and free health care and et cetera, it, it's like, until it happens to you where you lose a parent, you lose a daughter, you lose a son, you lose a family member to an illegal, then you understand the severity and you understand the issues of what's going on in our country. And, you know, there's, believe it or not, there's been people that have had to learn the hard way. There were Democrats that, uh, you know, believed in illegals being here. And there were some stories on, uh, you know, some people that lost family members and then changed their political views and are like, uh, you know, illegals should not be in this country. So, I mean, it's just it's one of those things where I absolutely agree until it happens to you. You know, it's like but uh, I want to get I want to get your thoughts, Josh. Go ahead. And then I'm going to go to you, Dan. Well, you know, I have a I got a quick point of strategy that I like Trump, you know, that I like that Trump is doing that when he's addressing these, yeah, go ahead. Real quick, real quick, quick, I just want to say before you continue, you know, having these illegals here, it's basically the fact that, you know, the Democratic Party, uh, their voters enable this and don't see how, you know, this takes away from black jobs and other my other American minority jobs and how it basically affects them. I mean, you know, the Democrats put it such in a a strategic way, how they trick people to make it think it's racism when we, when we want to make these illegals follow the law, but go ahead. 
Yeah, you know, well, I was just going to say that I, I like the way that Trump, whenever he addresses the situation about the Democrats uh, keeping yeah. keeping the government shut down, when he talks about the wall, he doesn't say the that the Democrats don't want to build the wall. He says the governments don't want to fund border security. It's it's right. a you know it's an intelligent way of wording it because if he just kept saying build the wall, build the wall, there'd be a lot of people that would be, you know, shut off by that situation. And, and as well, it's not just about building the wall either. There are more things that are needed at the border than, than just that wall. And, you know, the, the wall isn't going to fix everything tomorrow, but it's a huge step in the right direction. It's, that's, the, that's the real shame uh, that the Democrats yeah. are fighting against this so much. It's because, the, the Democrats realize that once you get this wall, it'll be much easier to actually secure secure the border, and then they won't be able to allow these illegals in. Well, yeah, and, let, and let's face, let, let's face the facts here that you know the whole situation with with funding the wall. Let's not forget Chuck Schumer, all the Democrats, Nancy Pelosi, every one of them was for border security and for a wall. A couple of years ago, but because it's Donald J. Trump uh, and because it's his agenda and they know he's going to move forward in like the biggest way, this is going to be his biggest accomplishment. They're holding it back and it's all about politics. It's all about vengeance. It's all about not letting Trump get his way with his supporters because they know they are already defeated enough and this will beyond overly defeat them. Um, I mean, that's my whole take on it. I mean, you think about the whole logic uh, and strategy, you know, if, if they were for it years ago, why wouldn't they be for it now? It's obvious. It's, it's because well, it's Trump. Well, absolutely. And, you know, Trump's doing a good job with making sure that, you know, the Democrats are trying to use this as a pawn to you know, as a yeah. as a talking point for the 2020 election, that's what this is really right. all oh, about. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. they have no problem going back on their convictions because they dislike yeah. Trump. But Trump's doing well, a even good pre- job. Even President keep- Trump, even President, even President Trump knows that you know they they are coming out with all this stuff because they know they can't beat him in 2020. But go ahead, continue. Sorry. Well, yeah, absolutely, and Trump's doing a good job of keeping this in front of him so far and making sure that the blame is being placed on their shoulders. So in in my opinion, I'm not sure why the Democrats are doing trying to – I, I mean, to me, it's kind of a Hail Mary path. Uh, maybe it does yeah. have more stick than, uh, you know, than I realize, but uh, I'm sure yeah. Dan will have something to say about that. Yeah, I want, Dan, I want, I, want to get to you, I want to get to you, but I also want to announce real quick, which is very important, which resonates with what Trump said in his speech earlier. Uh, he will be visiting the border, uh, I believe, on Thursday, later on this week. So uh, obviously there's going to be uh, some sort of probably announcement there or something big occurring. I mean, he's going down there, so I think he's uh, – this is all – and we heard, it, we, we heard the announcement today – that the Pentagon is preparing for possible defense spending from our military uh, to get this wall funded. I mean, and even emergency shutdowns we're talking about. I mean, I, I mean, uh, state of emergency, state of emergency, sorry. But, Dan, uh, Dan Perkins, please go ahead. Well, I, I, I watched the president's speech. I listened to you play it again. 
And then I watched uh, Uncle Mo and Aunt Jane, the elderly white people trying to look like they were credible in responding to the right. president's message. I, I thought it was, I, I was embarrassed for them. She looked like she was staring at a deer in a headlight, frozen in a headlight. Her eyes were twice the size as normal. Um, yeah. She was looked very uncomfortable on the podium. Um, and uh, Schumer uh, looked like he was about 170 years of age. Um, <laughs> I, I just think that, that they, I, I've, been, I've been doing interviews since 6 a.m. this morning. And I keep saying to people, the, Repu- the Democrats have made a, 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 a terrible blunder here. They, yeah. um, they've decided that they want to ch- tell the American people that they are yeah. choosing the care and treatment of illegals yeah. over the care and treatment yeah. of legal citizens in the United States. And, and I said yeah. the second critical mistake that they made, they've got all these young Turks coming in that are doing all these crazy things, what do they do? They fall back to two old white people to, get, to carry their message, which, again, seems to me to be ludicrous um, that they couldn't find better spokespeople than the minority leader in the Senate and um, uh, the new Speaker of the House. It, 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 um, I don't see how it's possible for the Democrats to think that they, if I could quote Nancy Pelosi, who said over the weekend, constitutionally she feels she's an equivalent to the President of the United States because she's Speaker of the House. Again, just incredible arrogance on her part to try and say that she is the equal to the President. She She wasn't elected to be president of the United States. She was elected to be a congressperson from her district in California. Uh, Again, an example of of arrogance on the Democratic part, and this is the other thing I've been talking about today, is that the mainstream media is continuing to talk about all the things that the Democrats are going to accomplish. Uh, We found out on the first day of the session they want to impeach the president, The second thing, they want to increase the individual income tax rate to 72%. They want to take the corporate tax rate to 33%. And they want to uh, abolish the Electoral College. Uh, They may want to do all those things. And if you read the news media, I've been talking about this for the last four or five days, read the news media, what you find is it's like it's a fait accompli going to happen because they've said it's going to happen. They're only ignoring the, the, the Senate and they're ignoring the White House. Um, the, the Democratic agenda, in my opinion, if it's as biased as the way it came out on the first day of the first session, going nowhere. So what we're going to see is because it's not going anywhere and because McConnell has already told the Democrats in the House, if there's a bill that passes the House that he doesn't think it's going to, the president will sign, it'll never see the light of day in the Senate. 
and there's nobody that can stop Mr. McConnell because nobody can stop Harry Reid, the Democratic leader of the Senate, stopping 350 pieces of legislation out of the House of Representatives when they were in charge. So it, it seems to me that this is the wrong issue for the Democrats to take a stand. Um, I saw a Rasmussen poll yesterday that showed about 7%. Say that again, 7%. So out of the 1,000 likely voters, seven were in favor of the Democratic position. Seven, which means somewhere in the neighborhood of 993 were with the president. Um, it's, a, it's, a, it's a blunder, and I, I can't help but tell, Roy, remember when she was the Speaker of the House before and when Obamacare came up and she said, we have to pass the bill in order to find out what's in the bill. She's yep. now saying, along, yep. along with Schumer, we need to open the government and then we can negotiate. And that reminds me of the classic Popeye commercial at, or cartoon where Wimpy says, I'll gladly pay you for a hamburger next Tuesday for a hamburger today. The Democrats say, open the, open the government and we'll negotiate. No, if they're not negotiating now, why would opening the government make them negotiate anymore? That's enough for me. Yeah, and, and, and here, here, you know, I, I want to get to our first guest here in, a, in here in a second, but you know, here's how I look at it. I mean, you know, we're dealing with something that is, like I said earlier, pure politics. I mean, government say, you know, our country's safety and border security. Uh, was it was a number one priority from for Democrats a couple of years ago, but all of a sudden, uh, because it's Donald Trump, they want to hold back his agenda because they know that border wall was probably perhaps the biggest thing that he promised on his campaign trail. And like I said earlier, once they give him that, he has completely defeated them. I mean you. You really look at it. I mean, that was the ultimate promise uh, and objective uh, for us Trump supporters uh, was getting that wall. Uh, so, so we're dealing with something right now uh, that, that is so interesting. I mean, we're in a time where <clears throat> obviously Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, I saw them speak today. You know, they look very... Uh, out of you know, just frightened. Like they don't know what to do. Like they're stalled. They're paused. They're uh, just uh, they're, the they're frozen. I mean, they can't they can't come up with anything. And and I have said this: Trump is on offense right now. Trump is leading the way. Trump is willing to keep this on shutdown as long as necessary until he gets that border wall. And we all know the Democrats want their agenda, they want their stuff to be fulfilled and delivered on and taken place, and they can't do that until they budge with Trump. So, you know, this shutdown, uh, I would say, goes another week and a half. 
Uh, I think that's I think that's my prediction. I I could be wrong, but I really think they're about to come to a deal. And uh, you know, Trump. Uh, it, there's a reason why he's one of the best negotiators. Uh, you know, in business in the world. I mean, that's not a, an just, unknown fact. Just follow that, Roy. Yeah. Just, just a quick follow-up. Yeah, real quick, I just want to say, I, I just want to say before you say, Dan, it's like the way the Democrat agenda is right now, it's like, for instance, like the mayor of New York today is, is now announcing Bill de Blasio that free health care for all illegal aliens. Same thing that California wants to do. I mean, this is sending the wrong message. And the Democrats wonder why they're losing voters. But go ahead, Dan. I just, I just wanted to follow up your point. I believe that right now the presentation of the president and Pelosi and Schumer are being focus grouped very, very quickly. And if you see a change in the democratic posture, it's because the focus groups are telling them you've got a loser. So watch for watch for a change in the rhetoric from the Democrats. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I would not, I would not be. Yeah, it, it's one of those things. I mean, it's what's going on now is absolutely it's crazy. I want it real quick, Josh. Let's get your thoughts, and I'm gonna introduce my guest. Yeah, you know, uh, Dan, I think you make a good point about the, you know, about the change in posture. Uh, Dan, a question to you real quick, because I don't have a whole lot more pontificated to do on this. Um, What do do you, I mean, how much longer do you think this is going to last? Well, I don't happen to agree with Roy. I I mean, I, I, I I don't think I agree with Roy. I think it's going to go longer. And like Roy, I'm willing to admit that I could be wrong. But I think it goes several more weeks. It could go a month. It could go into February. Um, I th- what, what, what I'm saying, what I'm saying is about. A, I'm going to say. I'm going to correct myself. I'm going to say about a week and a half, two weeks. But go ahead, Dan. So, 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 Josh, the answer to your question is that there's only real. There's really only one issue, and the issue is that the Democrats have said we're not going to give you the money for the for the wall regardless of what it's made out of. And the president has said, I'm not going to open the government until I get the money for the wall. So the only way this is going to be resolved is either Trump capitulates or the Democrats. If they still dig in their heels and refuse to do capitulate on either side, this will go on for a longer period of time. Yeah. Yeah, well, well said. Very well said. Um, I do want to uh, introduce our first guest, though. Very smart guy, very talented guy, very well-known. Was just on Fox News, actually, about a week and a half, two weeks ago. Uh, Economics expert, historian, professor, political strategist, male and female rights activist, best-selling author, and a contributor to the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Los Angeles Times, USA Today, and Washington Post, uh, Andrew Yarrow. How are you, sir? Good, Rory. How are you doing? Good, man. It's, it's great, great to be on your show. Thanks. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, I'm here yeah, in the city of dysfunctional thanks. politics in Washington. I I hear you. And uh, to correct me if I'm wrong, but you reside out of Washington, correct? Exactly. Exactly. 
Okay, very good. So let, let's get into, you know, I want to first talk about, and I think everybody wants to talk about, is your new best-selling book, um, the, the, the Man Out. You were on Fox News uh, a couple weeks ago um, talking about Man Out and basically um, explaining in, in detail how men are really becoming weak and misinformed and kind of out of touch with the real reality of, of, of you know, in a sense, female rights, because feminism and female rights have gone so overboard and so over the top with entitlement and hostility and anti-male narratives that men have, a lot of them have become used to basically being told by their spouses or significant others that they should believe this sort of thing and, you know, not basically be free thinkers for themselves. I mean, in a lot of cases, I mean, that's what's happening. I mean, don't you agree? Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of dimensions to the men's crisis today. In my book, Man Out, Men on the Sidelines of American Life, you know, I talk about the tens of millions of American men who are struggling with issues uh, with work, with family, with fatherhood, with health, uh, with a whole range of things. And as well as dealing with uh, the effects of of feminism and other cultural changes. And, you know, it's certainly not all men in American society, but there are an awful lot who who are doing particularly badly, and a lot of them are not just white working class men, but, you know, middle, upper middle class men and young millennial men. And what what bothers me the the most is that, you know, feminism started out as a great cause. It started out as a good, worthy cause back in the early days when it first originated. But we've seen what it has turned into. It's turned into, I classify it as a terrorist organization. It's entitlement, it's hostility, sometimes violence, uh, anti-male, you know, just all that combined into one and, so many other things I could name, uh, you know, with words, but it's one of those things where it's turned into this whole dominant organization where a man can't be a man anymore. And I just saw a new poll that came out uh, from one of the most popular scientific study groups in America, and they say in majority of countries, including the USA, women are better off than men. I mean, most, and and these are by wide margins in numbers. Well, there are different ways in which women are better off. I mean, first off, I'd agree with you in terms of feminism. I talked to hundreds of men around the country uh, while working on my book, and a common refrain was that feminism has done a lot for women, but where has it left me? Where has it left men? And, you know, I think that captures it uh, for a lot of guys in this country. And another problem with feminism and with many people on the left is, you know, it's really politically incorrect to talk about men's problems. I mean, if you bring up men's problems in some circles, you know, you're you're attacked. (laughs) Yeah, you get called a sexist. You get called all these names. And worse. (laughs) 
Oh, of course. Yep. And, 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 yeah. and it's so, it's crazy. It blows my mind. Yeah, definitely. And in terms of, you know, whether men or women are better off, I mean, there are a lot of ways in which women are better off. Women under 30 uh, actual in major cities now have slightly higher incomes than men. Uh, women, of course, are more likely to graduate from college than men today. Women live five years longer than men. Um, you know, on the other hand, you know, there's still a lot of men at the very top of the system, but they're very few. Right. No, no, no. I hear you. Absolutely. I, I want to go. I want to go to Josh and then I want to go to Dan. Yeah. You know, I, I, this is kind of an idea I've been thinking of recently in regards to feminism about how it seemed in the early movement, it was about trying to build quote unquote, uh, with my analogy, the biggest building in town, the feminist movement is trying to build the biggest building in town. And after they got to a certain point where they got close to the male building, so to speak, which was formerly the biggest building in town, it seems that instead of the feminist movement continuing to try to build the biggest building in town, they switched to wanting to tear down other buildings around them, a.k.a. the male building. So it's almost like they've gotten what they've wanted to accomplish, or they've gotten so far that now they, they have to direct their attention to things that really have nothing to do with the original meaning of feminism, you know, in regards to first or even second wave feminism. And now they just attack men because almost, it's almost like they've gotten so much, they don't know where to fight now, but they, for some reason they feel like they should fight. Yeah, I think you're right. And I think, as you said, Rory, I mean, feminism started off with, with good intentions. I mean, you go back to the yeah. suffrage movement yeah. for women getting the right yeah. to vote, you know, for women yeah. to get other legal rights. I mean, their husbands up until the late 50s had uh, right. rights over their finances and, you know, to be able to get into decent jobs. But and. You know, while it's true, if you go back through much of history, yeah, you could call men the oppressors, but things are a lot more nuanced and things have changed over the years. And, you know, when I hear people talking about all men or men generically as oppressors, it's kind of like blaming all Germans today for Nazism, Germans who weren't alive when the Nazis were around. So it's kind of, yeah, you know, no, blaming men, an archetype of men from long past. Yeah, yeah, Dan, Dan Perkins, go go ahead. I know I know you want to speak on this. Yes, sir, I certainly do, and thank you for giving me the opportunity. Um, I, I would like to tell our guest um, that I did an unscientific survey of women, and I asked them this question, if – Men who are prejudiced against women are called sexist and other things, then what are the women who are against men called? And you know what? I couldn't find anybody who had an answer. They didn't know. Yet there is a word, and I'm making it my personal goal for the year, of a new, not a new word, but a, a word that is very rarely spoken, 
to begin to write commentary about the word of what are women called who are aggressively against men. And they're called misandry. M-I-S-A-N-D-R-Y. And that's, yep. the, that's what women are, but we, we never, I have, in all my years in radio and television, and all the stuff that I've done on, on current events commentary, I'm guilty. I've never seen one column or one person speaking about misandry. And yet there is a word for it, and there is a word that describes the aggressive behavior of women against males and their rights. And if we don't step up, we have then we have what we saw during the Kavanaugh second hearings when the female senator from Hawaii said that all white men should sit down and shut up. And yep. Judge Kavanaugh, Judge Kavanaugh gave up his, he has no equal protection under the law of the Second Amendment rights. And so we have women leaders who are openly trying to abuse men and have become more and more aggressive in their abuse of males. It is not within the nature of the male of the species, I believe, to attack female. It is not in their nature. But I do believe that men are going to have to either stand up for their rights or they'll have nothing. They'll have nothing. I'm wondering what our guest thinks about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, thank you for the comment. I mean, misandry is a good word. Uh, perhaps one of the reasons it's not used is it's uh, kind of hard to pronounce for a lot of people. Um, I think terms like reverse sexism are not quite right either, but uh, misandry is uh, an appropriate word. But I think you get to some good issues that, I mean, there are a lot of women out there who say they don't need men. Uh, there are a lot of, um, you know, a lot of things in popular culture which really make fun of men. And, you know, it's fine to make yeah. fun of anyone in good humor. Right. But, you know, it's really politically incorrect to make fun of women these days. Right. And, uh, you know, you have uh, phrases like mansplaining, you know, which is really yeah. a put-down of men. Again, yeah. not that there aren't put-downs of women out there, but right. it's you know, you wouldn't get away with it. Roy, I have a challenge for your audience. Yeah. Uh, if they want to see how far hold, our hey, society Dan, hold your, is. Hold your thought, Dan. Hold your thought. I'm going to go to a quick 30-second commercial break, and then we'll come back and hear your thought. How about that? Okay. All right. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from The Rory Sodder Show. Do you ever have an app idea you want built, but you don't know who to contact, or you don't have the funds to pay a big app company? I got great news for you. My company, GetYourAppBuilt.com, charges a fraction of the cost compared to anywhere else. 
We do all our work here in the USA, and we have employees all across the nation. Give us a call today for your free consultation. We are looking forward to hearing from you. God bless. Cheers. All right, we're back. Dan, your thoughts. I would like to have your audience participate in a national survey. And I would love them to send the information to your website, NextGen USA. And here's the observation. And, and for anybody that doesn't know how to spell it, because a lot of people get mixed up with the next, it's the NextGenUSA.com, everybody. But go ahead, Dan. I want you to pay attention to the following things. Television commercials, billboards, and placards on buses. See how many times you can see a product advertised where there's a mother and children, but no father. You will be amazed at the number of commercials that have no fathers involved. There's a new commercial out for Toll House Cookies, where a son gets a college acceptance and he bakes cookies to thank his mom, but there's no father around. You look on the back of buses, as I was traveling during the holidays, and you see a mother and two little girls. You don't see men. You don't see father figures in television commercials or advertising. When I wrote my children's book, Why Can't Grammy Remember Me on on, uh, Understanding Dementia with Children, the publisher said it was refreshing to see a book, a children's book that featured the fathers of the two little girls as the role models and the providers in the girls' lives. I think that the advertising and promotion business in the United States is biased against men and only use women and children in the vast majority of their television commercials and their billboards. So well, yeah, if, you is, with, if you agree with oh, me and you can give examples, then you send an, a note, an email to Roy at nextgenusa.com and let us know what you found out. And if you agree with me, send a note to Roy. If you disagree with me, send a note to Roy. But let your voice be heard. Absolutely. And everybody can send it to my personal email as well. First and last name, Rory Sodder at gmail.com. I check that every second of the day. Um, but I, I do want to get back to you, uh, uh, Andrew, Andrew Yarrow. Um, you know, let's get back into – you know this whole this whole movement and this whole situation with with how feminism has totally evolved into such a a nasty and scary and highly aggressive movement and and how do we get it back to how it was originated? How do we get back to what it was originally made for? And and not all of this entitlement and all of this, you know, wrong uh, conception 
and 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 just and just all of this, you know, just the way people are getting, um, the the way people are trying to understand it these days is not the way it was years ago. And you see all of our new generation millennials taking after the new way of feminism and, and the way they think, which is I classify it as terrorism. I mean, just like I said earlier, the hostility, the entitlement, the anti-male narrative. I mean, it, there's that's the best way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Rory, I, I think you're right that feminism has certainly gone too far. And the interesting thing with that, I mean, there are many interesting things, but, you know, it's really pretty well-to-do women who are the most radical. I mean, if you look at middle-class women or lower-middle-class women, you know, they just yeah. care about making ends meet and their kids. But, you know, it's largely more well-to-do women, well-to-do uh, feminists who, you know, argue these really pretty extreme positions these days and yeah. you know you talked yeah. about fatherhood before it's you know it's very striking that you know there are about nine to ten million fathers who are not with their minor children and yeah. there's kind of this big double standard out there that you know women still want to be able to be the primary parent and also to be able to raise kids on their own but you know they don't need men and, you know, they want equity in, in the workplace, and that's fine, but they don't want equity in parenting. Or m- most of them don't. Many of them don't. So. Yeah, and, and, that, and, that, and that's the sad part. I mean, and, you know, if you really look, if you really look at the numbers, I mean, that there is more men that commit suicide every year. There's more men that are homeless. There's more men that are unemployed. There's more men that, you know, have to deal with um, crime, being in jail. I mean, it goes on and on with the statistics. I could go on forever. I mean, I have in front of me the way men outdo women, but you never hear the feminists talking about that. You only hear the feminists talking about, you know, how they're oppressed. I mean, but if you ask me, they live in America. You know, they're overly privileged. You know, you want to go protest. Go protest in the Middle East. If you really cared about women's rights, you, people would be over. They would be over in the Middle East. You know what I mean? And and being over there and and, and making some sort of impact. And and the fact that they would put a huge march together for Donald Trump, but totally not put a march together and ignore Harvey Weinstein. I mean, the whole hypocrisy and the whole uh, the, the this whole situation is disgraceful. And it just contradicts what they say they stand for, and it it's it's just unbelievable. It blows my mind. Yeah, I mean, I think you're talking about the health issues are are very important. I mean, men are about three and a half times more likely to commit suicide than women. You know, twice yeah. the number of uh, men uh, die of overdoses than women, yeah. and. You know, I mentioned earlier that that men on average live five years shorter lives, but you know, as some people, some of you may have noticed, you know, U.S. life expectancy for the first time since the Great Flu in 1918 has gone down in the last three years, and virtually all of that has been accounted for by white men, which yeah. you know, and 
you look at uh, you look at what the government does. Uh, there are about four or five federal offices right. of women's health in different agencies. There's not one office right. of men's health, and yeah. you know which I think would be a, one good place to start. Yeah, and, and let's let's not forget let, let's not forget that you know you know the whole feminist movement now you know their motto is believe all women. Do you do do they not do people not understand like how many women lie every year? I mean, I think there was a statistic. It was like it was high. It was like in the thirty or forty percent range of they found false accusations. And their motto is believe all women. I am actually absolutely appalled uh that uh due process is they're trying to take that off the table in certain situations. Do people understand what happened to black, you know, the fe- the feminists and the, and the, and the, dem- and the left claim to care about the black community. Um, do we, do people realize how many black men are in prison and how many black men were lynched back in the day? Because the whole motto of believe all women was put into place. And, you know, this is, and this is when the whole racism uh, days were, but there's just so many things behind this whole uh, terrorism uh, act and, and this anger and this hostility where these these feminists want to take over and control. They want they basically don't care about a man going to jail. They want to be in power. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point, Rory. Um, looking back at the days when. You know, women made an ac- accusations against black men, and they'd be attacked or lynched or thrown in jail or prison. Um, but you look at today, uh, there's, you know, maybe not as deadly a situation, but because of the fear of a- accusations or false accusations, you know, many young men are, are afraid when they go out on dates. Many people in yeah. workplaces are afraid to you know, even say things to to women colleagues. And certainly a number of supervisors or bosses I know say, you know, they're walking on eggshells around women, or many of their women oh, yeah. employees. I have to put oh, in yeah. many and, and, much of the time because you can't generalize. <laughs> and, and can we agree, I, I want to get, you know, other people's, you know, thoughts on this. We have, we have a lot of people on the line, and, and I know people want to speak on this. But don't you agree that once the Me Too movement started, that it was I call it I called it a trend because when that started, there were a lot of women that just came out and made false accusations for the hell of it, just so they could kind of fit in and kind of be a part of this whole uh, movement and, and say that they're a victim uh, and follow the pattern. Do you see what I'm trying to say? I do. Um... You know, I think with Me Too, once again, there are some good intentions behind it. I mean, obviously, a lot yep. of women have been raped and yep. victims of sexual assault. But, of course. But again, it's something that's gone way too far. I mean, it's then led to. You got to, the liars, though. You got the innocent ones, and then you got the liars. And it's, yeah, it's not just lying, it's like turning small things into big offenses. Like, you know, touching a woman on her back or patting her on the back. And, you know, that becomes tantamount to, 
you know, sexual harassment, which, you know, is crazy. Yeah, it is. It absolutely is. I want to go, I want to go to Josh. Josh, your thoughts. Yeah, you know, I, I had a question, uh, and Roar, you brought this up earlier that kind of made me think of this. Um, what, what do you think the obsession from the feminist movement towards the Middle East and, you know, Islam is? It, it always seems like uh, the, the, the feminist movement is very supportive of, of Islam for some reason, and I'm not sure why that is. I didn't know if you had a, a tick on that. Well, you know, that gets to some dicey issues. I mean, I don't think most women are feminists or supportive of, say, Saudi Arabia, where, you know, people can be stoned or women couldn't drive until recently. But, you know, you may have heard of this divide now in the Women's March movement that, you know, now going into the third year of a Women's March, there have been uh, a number of the organizers who've been accused of being anti-Semitic and, you know, of being, uh, you know, not also ignoring people who aren't so well-to-do, uh, working class or poor people. And, um, you know, as far as the Middle East, I mean, there's this kind of unfortunate uh linkage among some people on the left by of you know being anti-israel and um you know thus by oh kind of by inference pro pro-arab and you know i don't want to get into the whole middle east i mean people have been gosh fighting for for 70 years now and there's no resolution but you know i think it's it's a difficult issue for liberals and a troubling issue for some people on the left that uh, I mean the very fact of Israel <laughs> but that gets us a bit off topic no absolutely no I hear you um, and I, I Josh you got your, your thoughts in return yeah you know actually I had, a, I had another question uh, not pertaining to that because I liked your answer but it made me think of something else you know, uh, last time you were on, we talked about uh, we talked briefly about the effects of pornography on this whole idea of men's um, basically, uh, you know, mental me- mental health of themselves. Um, you know, how how is that affecting um, specifically relations to you know? You were talking about how men are ma- afraid to go on dates because of. Um, you know, sexual abuse uh, accusations and whatnot. Do you think that um, because because of the insurgence of of pornography and its its constant use, that maybe men think are are for some reason uncomfortable with their own? Uh, they think that maybe their own desires will get the better of them, or is it uh, or is pornography affecting it in a different way? Well. You know, there certainly is a correlation, not causation. Um, You've probably read articles like there was a big piece in the Atlantic magazine, The Sex Recession, about how sex is going down among large numbers of Americans. And, you know, a lot of men are kind of bailing out of the, the sexual game. And, 
Yeah, that correlates with this enormous rise in uh, online pornography. I mean, I think pornography also leads a lot of men to expect kind of unrealistic things out of other women, to to say the least. And, you know, that's not terribly helpful for either sex. You know, and I, I also heard it said that, you know, one thing pornography does is that you're basically, you're, you're seeing, I, I can't remember who said this, but a, a guy was talking about, that when, when a man watches pornography, all it is is you're seeing tens. All you're seeing is the most attractive women that can be found, basically. And that's all, all you're seeing time and time again. And then reality is very less, less of that. I mean, there's a much more of reality. There's, you know, attractiveness of all different levels to a different person. You know, how does how does that relate to, especially with, you know, men's interest in pursuing, you know, because in places like, um, you know, the in Asia and in China and Japan, men aren't even really pursuing relationships with women or relationships at all sexually or, you know, uh, marriage or anything because the interest just isn't there anymore because of, because of pornography and because of other things. Yeah, I mean, in countries like Japan, uh, as you refer to, I mean, there's this whole population of so-called grass-eating men, these these guys who really don't want to get married or be in relationships, and it's not that they're gay. But, you know, you're starting to see that among many men here. And, um, you know, again, in terms of pornography, yes, they're the unrealistic depictions of what you know the uh, women in general look like um but you know beyond that i think it um you know there's data out there there've been interesting studies about how men have kind of be are uh, come into have the same feelings toward pornography that they see on the screens as they would toward women and so the online pornography becomes a substitute, even biochemically, for women, that their desires are directed toward the screens, which, you know, not great. <laughs> no, not at all. That's very interesting. Dan Perkins, go, Dan Perkins, go ahead. Yeah, I think that uh, there's another piece to the puzzle that hasn't been brought up tonight, and that is that not only is there a decline, a significant decline in in real intimacy with women, we are seeing on a global basis a dramatic decline in testosterone, uh, uh, generation after generation continuing to drop, and uh, the sex drive is is driven by testosterone. And it's not there. And if it's not there, uh, the whole idea of intimacy and being involved and making love to and with a woman diminishes. And so we have, I find it amazing the number of commercials we now have on radio and television for erectile dysfunction. And all the things to deal with it, and, and almost always 
if you look at and listen to the commercial, it's a function of two women talking about the problems that their husbands have and how they found this clinic or whatever and our sex life it was, is like it was when we were younger. But it's women talking about it and how she's happier now that he's going to this clinic. Uh, erectile dysfunction is a big business and um, growing business, and uh, we find ourselves uh, becoming more and more impotent generation after generation. Yes, I mean, you're right about the uh, decline in testosterone levels around the world. I mean, there haven't been very good explanations for that, and you know, again, getting back to the issue of the Office of Men's Health, in recent years, much more research has been devoted to women's health. And, you know, it'd certainly be worth a number of good studies on what's happening with testosterone levels and consequent desire. And we, you know, uh, in terms of, yeah, I mean, it's... I don't know anybody who's doing those studies. I mean, they may be done somewhere, but, uh, you know, in getting to those commercials, it's a, you know, it's a strange thing. I mean, you're right about women talking about it. On the other hand, it would probably be pretty hard for men to talk about it. Right. Yeah. Well, we had last Thursday, we had uh, Dr. Farrell on who's written a book about boys. In yeah, Doctor Doctor Warren Farrell, uh, Andrew, uh, who's a good friend of yours, we had him on uh, last yes. Thursday. Right, right. Yeah, yeah Warren's we, a good guy. We, when he was talking about this this issue, and 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 he was he was talking about how we have uh, a situation where we we place different values on men today than what we used to driven by women, and, and when, when men are objected, I guess ejected would be the best word, um, by uh, females, they seek other outlets and your online pornography. However, there's a new phenomenon, and that's the sex dolls that are coming from Asia. Uh, very pricey, uh, but... Um, Men are flocking to them because they don't need a relationship. They just they have something to have sex with, and um, and they don't have to put up with all the other stuff that's when you're dealing with another human being. Another regression on the part of males away from heterosexual relationships, and um, I think it, it, it's. It's a serious problem, and uh, uh, I agree with you about the funding. Dr. Farrell says that in his research, um, many people have suggested research projects for, for men, and the response, he says, that they always get is nobody wants to put any money down to do research on men. Yes, uh, get it all the time, but nobody wants to do research on men. 
Yeah, I mean, that's been true for probably 30 years now. Um, mm -hmm. I think the, uh, you know, the race for the cure back in the, the 80s and 90s kind of launched this whole focus on women's health. And, you know, it's fine to be focused on women's health problems, but to ignore men's health problems is really wrong. And to just act as if men don't have problems, that they are the problem, is also wrong. Mm -hmm. so, yeah, I mean, in you're terms at, of the... Go ahead, Andrew. Please no, go I mean, ahead, it's just... Yeah, I was just going to, I mean, elaborate on, you know, the whole issue of funding. I mean, I live here in the suburbs of Washington, D.C., where the National... nearby the National Institutes of Health which is the biggest biomedical research funder in the U.S. You know, most of the NIH funding goes out to researchers around the country. And, you know, I think it's maybe toxic is too strong, but it's an issue that a lot of people who, you know, hold the purse strings for so-called extramural research, for funding research at uh, universities, and uh, around the country in hospitals, it's it's just, you know, they'd be afraid to give it for um, issues relating to man or many issues relating to man. Yeah, Dan, your response? I, I, I have to tell you, I was in, uh, I, I, I've been thinking about a book uh, being uh, driven by Dr. Farrell and yourself, uh, I'm not going to mention the title, but I mentioned it to my oldest son uh, when we were back in Columbus for the Christmas holidays, and he said to me, Dad, that'll be the last book you'll ever publish. Because <laughs> if you go out and try and defend men, you will. nobody will publish anything else you write. We'll see if you can. Yeah. Crazy. Are you writing it? It, it is crazy. I'm sorry, you you asked? Asked? Oh, are you writing it or holding yes, on? Yes, I am. Mm -hmm. I'm writing. Well, I won't ask you the title then if you can't tell your son. But no, no, I told him that I told him the title of the book, and that's what he said. Oh, you'll never, yeah. you'll never write another, get a, never get another book published. Yeah. We'll see. Now, you know, sorry. Oh, go, go ahead. I want you to respond, and then I have a question for you before you go. Yeah. Well, it's part of, uh, you know, the unfortunate thing in in the reaction to my book, Man Out. I mean, while there have been, you know, a lot of good responses, uh, kind of by men and women. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty striking that, um, you know, t for a lot of women and a lot of people on the left, when they see man in the title, they automatically think that this is an anti-woman book rather than being a pro-man book. And, you know, it's not a zero-sum game. You can be pro-woman, pro-man. <laughs> you know, it's not one loses and the other wins, it, or it shouldn't be. But okay. you're going to ask a question? 
No, no, no. But actually, well said. I I agree. Um, I do I do want to thank you for coming on. I mean, you've been a real pleasure. Uh, we've gotten so much addressed with this. You know, my final question to you before you take off, and I think this is a big big topic, obviously, on a daily basis for so many different people. And obviously, people have their own opinions and people have their own uh, theory behind this and what they believe. But I think the, big, the one of the biggest problems is that, you know, I mean, I'm a, I'm a pro-life guy. I've always been a pro-life guy. Um, the entitlement with taxpayers paying for abortion. How 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 do you speak on that? I mean, you, you wrote this book, man. You know this about men's rights and, and all this stuff and how the feminist movement has taken over in certain areas. But what what are your thoughts behind that? But uh, behind that topic, what I just mentioned. I mean, that's a it's a huge thing talked about daily. It is. It is. And you know, it's it's a complicated subject uh, to say the least. And I'm not saying anything new. But you right. know, what troubles me is that now about forty some percent of births in America are outside of marriage, and the majority of them to couples under 30 are outside of marriage. And, you know, I don't think, and I don't think most responsible people would say that, you know, two people should have children unless they're really ready to emotionally, financially, and otherwise. So, you know, I'm not saying go out and have an abortion, but, you know, I'm saying think about it, think about other birth control, you know, don't just jump into these things. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Very well said. And uh, Andrew Yarrow, you, you've been a real pleasure. Tell everybody where they can find you. Okay. Um, well, my book, Man Out, Men on the Sidelines of American Life, uh, was published yep. a couple months ago. It's uh, available yep. on Amazon and some bo- as yep. well as some bookstores. And, um, you know, you can write to me. Uh, I, I have a website. Uh, you can write to me through uh, andrewalyero.com or uh, got a Man Out website, uh, you know, manout.us. So various yes. ways to reach me. Absolutely. Well, so thank- it's, a real pleasure ha- it's a real pleasure having you on. Um I, I well, thanks. Uh, anybody have any final questions? No. I, I did I'm good. I did have one real one real short one. Yeah, go ahead, Josh. Worry. Yeah. Yeah, just one you know, you talked about how there's really not many outlets for, you know, men's health problems and any that you know it, it, where would a man go if he's having, you know, any of these any any of these situations? It seems like there's a lot of funding for women's health but not much for men. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, do you mean the individual man, an individual? Because, I mean, well, certainly. I mean, I, I, mean, I mean an individual or like, you know, with, with women's rights, it seems, you know, or with women's health, it seems like there's always, you know, even with, with organizations funded by the government and such that are helping with quote-unquote women's health, but there doesn't seem to be much discussion about any funding going towards men's health. Yes, I mean, that's right. I mean, on an individual basis, you know, men can certainly find doctors to and, you know, other health and mental health professionals. But, um, you know, when it comes to funding and looking at, 
you know, more society-wide issues, um, you know, it's troubling that it's just not there. And there have been bills introduced in Congress for a decade or so to create an Office of Men's Health, and uh, there's going to be talk about it. It's a bipartisan bill. It's going to be introduced in the new Congress, but, you know, it doesn't seem to be anybody's priority, unfortunately. That's a shame. Yeah, it, is, it, is, it is. It's a real, it's real unfortunate. Um, but, Andrew Yarrow, we'll have you back soon. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for coming on. Uh, we're going to go to a quick 30-second break, and then we're going to introduce our next guest. Thank you, Dr. Thanks, Thank you, Rory. Andrew Yarrow. It's great to be on. I appreciate it. Thanks, Rory. Great to talk. Bye. Hello, everybody. This is Rory Sodder from the Rory Sodder Show. Be sure to visit thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. Again, that's thedonaldjtrumpstore.com. It's your one-stop shop for all your fancy, customized, and creative Trump apparel and merchandise. You won't find these products anywhere else. Best part of all is that the products are all built right here in the USA. Um, be sure to type in promo code MTGA for 15% off your first order. Um, God bless you. God bless America. Cheers, everybody. All right. We are back. Uh, I do want to introduce uh, a couple of our, our guests on the line. Uh, economist, <clears throat> entrepreneur, motivational speaker, writer for Town Hall, Newsmax, LiveZet, and a professor of finance at Stockton University in New Jersey, Dr. Michael Bussler. How are you, sir? Great to have you on. I'm doing well, Rory. How are you doing? It's great to be here. Now, I was listening along here for a minute. If I could just add something, when you're talking about uh, women and uh, how things have uh, evolved over time, you know, well, you and, work on a uh, college campus, so I'm sure you can you can speak on that. Well, that's exactly what I was going to say. And you, you know, on uh, most major schools today uh, have uh, women's studies programs, uh, gender studies programs that really favor women. Uh, there's sexuality classes uh, really geared toward uh, women. And I guess um, there was some justification for uh, promoting. Uh, women's issues uh, for years when colleges were primarily male and women were uh, in the minority. Uh, today, it's much different than that. Women are about 60% of uh, total enrollment, and men are only 40%. So now men are in the minority, been that way for a few years, and the trend is that the percentage women is going up and the percentage men is, is going down. So men are now in the minority I've often wondered whether um, universities would consider uh, perhaps a men's studies uh, program, but uh, that doesn't seem yeah. to be too popular on college campuses. Yeah, you know, you're absolutely right. Stay right there. I also do want to welcome uh, another great special guest of ours, popular talk show host, entrepreneur, political activist, and freedom fighter, Will Johnson. How are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. And you know, to touch on the women's thing, I saw, someone sent me an article saying that Tucker yeah. is losing sponsorship because yeah. he had the audacity to say that right. women uh, are doing better and they don't want to make more. They don't want a man that's making less than them. 
isn't that what the whole Me Too movement is about? So women can make more. <laughs> it's the anti it's crazy world. It's the anti male. <laughs> it's the anti male alpha narrative. They want to control men. They want to be superior. It's entitlement at its finest. Exactly. I mean, they finally get what they want, making more money than men, and they're still not happy. <laughs> right. And, and I, they don't, I just, they I just don't, don't understand it. Exactly. And like I told uh, Andrew Yarrow uh, earlier, the guy that uh, was just on, he, he was on Fox News many times the last couple of weeks promoting his new book. But, you know, his book, Man Out, you know, describes stuff perfectly in the sense that, you know, we have all of these problems with with the male community that's not being addressed. And, you know, in terms of male have more suicide rate, male go, men go to prison more, men, uh, you know, are less than, women are more employed than men are. Uh, men have, you know, more problems with, I mean, it goes on and on. I mean, if you look at all the different, I don't know if I, did I mention homelessness just now? No, but yeah, there's more okay, men well that, homeless than women. That's, that's, that's another, a true that's another as well. thing. Yeah, yeah, that's another thing. It goes on and on, and these feminists never talk about it. All they talk about is they like to make up terms. They like to make up, you know, uh, all these different male terms. Like, uh, what's the one that was recent um, where you eat too much meat? You're the. Uh, uh, it was on Fox News. It was a big term. Can somebody help me, please? Uh, masculinity, toxic masculinity, that sort of <laughs> shit they're coming up with. I mean, it's like, it's like, where, where does it end? Like, it's like you, they're better off than a lot, a lot of, I mean, they're doing better than most men and they have to, they want to complain. And I told, you know, I tell everybody this all the time, go to the Middle East and complain. You, you think that you don't have rights. You're overly privileged. You're in America. You have every right in the world here, and you claim to be for women's rights, but you don't say anything about the abuse in the Middle East. You don't say anything about all the babies that are being killed. You don't say anything about, you know, uh, Harvey Weinstein, but you march for Donald Trump. Give me a break. Yeah, you're absolutely right. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And you know, if Hillary Clinton won, we would, as as far as men, we'd probably be in FEMA camps right now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. they probably put oh, every God. man in a FEMA camp because that's exactly what Hillary Clinton won. She already, you know, she hates men. She hates Bill Clinton. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh oh oh, absolutely. And uh, you know, we have we have all these different people. And I want to I want to get people laughing real quick, but you know we obviously it's nominee season for the Democratic Party, and we have different candidates. Uh, here is one though that I think is very interesting, and everybody knows who it is once he starts talking. But all these people think they can take on Trump, and it's an absolute joke. The Democratic Party has no message; they have no narrative; they have nothing to run on. Because look at all of Trump's success. I mean, what are they really going to do? But here's a guy that I'm sure everybody's going to know the boy. Hold on. Here we go. Uh, one, one, five, this clip. Here we go. How are you? I'm from TMZ. 
Oh yeah. It's good to see you, man. Yeah. You're looking good, buddy. I'm oh, fantastic. Well, I'm only I'm 220. 220? Yeah, I'm 220 pounds. I'm in fighting shape. You know, WrestleMania's coming back to Minneapolis, they say, next year. Well, you you well, get mi- back in the ring? I don't know, but I get in shape for something, don't I? Yeah. Oh, you, you actually go back to WrestleMania? Like, hold for I something? I don't know. I'm just telling you, I'm in shape to do it. Take a look. Okay, let's see, let's see. Come on. 66 with F. Pop the hood, pop the hood. Oh, damn. And the snail trail. There you go. I love That's it, Jesse. 66 with six pack. I got so you you might come back to WrestleMania. That's huge. That's no, I huge. ain't saying I am, but you I'm just might. saying it's in Minneapolis. If they were smart, if Get they're smart. Yeah. Um, not saying they're smart. <laughs> <laughs> would you ever consider another political run at all? Yeah. You would? Yeah. For real? Like I'm being pressured right now. I'm getting a lot of from the Green Party. To, to, to run for them? Yeah. You're big into marijuana legalization, aren't you? I'm big into cannabis legalization. I'm also into alternative energy big. We need to get away from fossil fuels. we got to go to the sun. It's time. Yeah. And, go, uh, go to the sun? Do oh, I? to get, get, to get the... Fu- okay. Yeah. Um, and, uh, so, no, I'm... Uh, you the consider green, it? The Greens have showed some interest. Uh, I haven't made a decision yet because it's a long time off. Yeah. But... Uh, if I do do it, rest assured of this. You got that running? Yeah. If I do do it, Trump will not have a chance. For real. Because for one, Trump knows wrestling. He participated in two wrestling manias. Fact. He knows he can never out-talk a wrestler. Yeah. And he knows I am the greatest talker wrestling's ever had. <laughs> so if I go for it, he's history and he knows it. <laughs> oh, my God. If anybody didn't know that voice, uh, does anybody know who that was? I'm sure it's quite obvious. Jesse. Jesse Ventura, man. Jesus Christ. That guy cracks me up every time they put a camera in front of his face. Um, But we have all these nuts. I mean, we have – who else said they're running? Elizabeth Warren is running. Um, You know, I think Cory Booker is going to come out and run. Uh, we have Camilla Harris, I think, is going to run. Uh, it just goes on and on. Um, it's, it's nuts to me, though, that these people think they have something to go off of. I mean, what you know, Trump destroys people in debates, uh, and he has all the facts behind him. So it's, it's not like he has to be a politician and stand up there and lie. I mean, the numbers are clear. You know, the, 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 the scoreboard never lies. That's for damn sure. Um, but what are your thoughts, though, Will, on this whole 2020 thing? You know, 2020, if we do not, as conservatives, stand up and do what we can and vote and truly show up in crazy numbers to vote these Democrats out, Donald J. Trump is going to be the last decent president this country will ever have because the Democrats are going to never, ever allow another Donald Trump to walk through the doors of the White House again. Never again. They can't. This is the last it. This is their last ditch effort. They're going to, if they can't impeach him, God forbid they put a bullet in him, but they would never allow Donald Trump to happen again. You're, you're absolutely right. And Dr. Bustler, your thoughts on all this? We're going to get into economics, but uh, Dr. Bustler, what are your thoughts? Well, you, you know, there's uh, a whole lot can happen between now and uh, Election Day, and 
in 2020. Um, we have yet to see uh, fully what the Democrats are going to do now that they've controlled the House of Representatives. Uh, they've said they're going to uh, continue to investigate Trump and his business dealings, and they're going to start going after his tax returns. Um, so I don't know how things are going to play out over the next couple of years, uh, you know, until we get to the 2020 election. But uh, as you know, I'm an economist, and I think people um, primarily vote. They're looking for uh, security, and they vote on economics. Um, and I continue to believe that uh, the economy will uh, get better. Uh, it's doing well now. Uh, 2018 will be the first year since 2005 that the uh, economy grew in an, on an annual basis of over 3%. And we did have one quarter yeah. where we hit 4%. Um, so right. I think if that continues uh, next year and into, into 2020, uh, Trump's going to have a real good chance. I just don't know with all these uh, investigations going on uh, what something is going to turn up. Um, I don't believe Trump is involved in any kind of collusion or any kind of obstruction of justice, um, any kind of payments he may have made. I don't think there's anything illegal there either. But the Democrats can uh, uh, push this narrative that, uh, you know, Trump is a bad person. He's broken the law. And uh, I don't know how successful they'll be between now and uh, Election Day in November 2020. Well, uh, you know, I'm, I'm just looking at everything, and, and we look at what came out today. First of all, uh, or this just came out recently in the last couple of days, we have had 4.8, again, that's 4.8 million more Americans are now employed since President Trump took office. Everybody was panicking about the stock market last week. Now the stock market is back to, you know, high gains and, and doing well. Uh, the Democrats are trying to spin our massive job numbers as bad news. I mean, it, these, these Democrats cannot accept what's going on. The job growth skyrocketed into 1,000 jobs. That's, economists only predicted about 180,000 jobs. So we, like you talk about, out, you know, outdoing and uh, proving the economists wrong, 312,000 jobs added, and I think they only predicted like in the, the like it was like eight, 180,000 they were predicting. So we definitely did that, yeah. outdid that for sure. Hispanic unemployment is now the lowest it's ever been. That's unbelievable. The American economy has added the most manufacturing jobs in over 20 years. I mean, it goes on and on. We're lowest black unemployment in history, lowest Hispanic, lowest Asian, lowest female unemployment in history. We're winning the trade war with China. Um, I, I could go on and on. But And, and Dr. Bustle, you're yeah. an economist. I mean, isn't this fantastic? Yeah, yeah this is certainly very, very good times. Uh, inflation is uh, kept low. Another couple things you could add. Inflation is staying low. Wage gains. Uh, are the biggest they've been in uh, decades, uh, up over 3% three, 3% for wages. That's certainly a positive sign. Another s statistic is, um, although we added the 312,000 jobs, which is great for a single month, um, the unemployment rate went up to tenths of a percent. Now, that's actually good news, because what that means is, although we added 312,000 jobs, um, we have a lot of probably 5 million discouraged workers. Those are people that um, 
uh, have been looking for a job for so long and can't find one, they simply have dropped out of the labor force. Um, so the unemployment rate ended up going up because about 600,000 of these discouraged workers came back into the workforce. That's a very positive sign. The labor force participation rate, which is the percent of adults that are either working or looking for a job, um, which was at about 67% before the recession in 2008, dropped down to 62%. That's now back up over 63%, still below where it should be, but at least climbing. So that shows people who haven't been able to get jobs for years are back into the uh, workforce and are finding jobs. The other good thing that's happening is we had a, uh, we still have a fairly severe underemployment problem. That means that yes. the economy was so stagnant for the last 10 years, 12 years, yes. that college graduates ha had a difficult time finding any job at all. So they ended up taking a job for which they didn't need the college degree. So we call that uh, underemployment. These people who have been working at jobs that uh, don't reflect their qualifications are now finding better jobs that reflect their qualifications, uh, and their incomes are going up, um, and, uh, you know, they'll be more prosperous in, into the future. And of course, as they leave the prior jobs, that now opens a job for someone who may not have a college degree, who was a discouraged worker, allows them to come back into the uh, w workforce. So I think uh, all of that with consumer sentiment, although it, uh, consumer confidence rather, although it did dip slightly last month, it's still at near record highs. So consumers are feeling good. People are, are working. Uh, incomes are going up. Wages are going up. Uh, so from an economic standpoint, uh, there's not a whole lot uh, more President Trump could have done. This is about as good as it gets and as good as he could have uh, imagined it Becoming. I think we're in the midst of winning the, the trade war. Um, you take a look at the Mexico and Canada we've already settled with. Japan yeah. we're just about to settle with. South Korea we've settled yeah. with. We're talking the European Union. And for the first we're time in decades, China. China is at the table, and they're at least talking about coming up with a solution. So I feel very positive away about the uh, economic outlook for next year and the year after, and I think that's uh, going to help President Trump when it comes time for election. Yeah, and you bring up you bring up a really good point here, and I want to get to I want to get to everybody on the line. But you know, here's a very interesting point that you just brought up about the Canada and the Mexico deal. And you know, people always try to be smart asses and, and try to be you know just especially on the left, they always try to be condescending and always try to be just jerks and say. Oh, I thought Mexico was paying for the wall. What they don't understand is it's not a direct payment to President Trump. It's paid right. through the debt they owe us through this new deal that was the revision of NAFTA, which is the U.S.-Canada-Mexico uh, uh, deal. Uh, and people, the, the left keeps failing to understand that, and it drives me nuts that they're so stupid and ignorant that they thought it was just going to be a direct payment. Like, they don't have a clue about economics. Well, if they do, they're obviously playing dumb. But go ahead. Your thoughts on that? Well, and, and this, I was going to say – I mean, if you think about – real quick, though, if you think about yeah. what the wall costs, 
if you, it's, you know, we're talking about Trump is only asking for $5 billion. Mexico owes us a debt of, I think the last time I read it was close to like $70 billion or something, uh, would it be? And this deal kind of uh, gives back a lot of our debt and kind of takes care of that. Uh, but you, you take the floor. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, with uh, regarding the wall and, and paying for it, the whole thing with uh, the Democrats, th- this is not really a, a money issue anymore. It's only $5 billion. They've already approved uh, $60 billion for the president to use at his discretion for emergency military funding. Uh, so so uh, if a you know, conflict breaks out anywhere, the president has the funds to be able to send the military to take care of it. That's a $60 billion fund. You could easily allocate $5 billion out of there and give it to Trump for the wall so it doesn't cost anything. Again, we've already allocated it. But the Democrats are really not concerned with doing their primary priority is not what's best for the country. The primary priority is what's best for the Democrats. And it's many times in conflict with what's best that's for the country. Uh, and as long as they maintain that, that view, uh, they just will fight till the end just to make sure Trump does not get a victory because that would hurt the Democratic Party. I, I mean, you, you look at their agenda, and you're an economist, and, and you know numbers you know, in the back of your head like crazy. Look at what just Bill de Blasio announced today. Uh, New York City, uh, free health care for all illegals. Uh, Gavin Newsom, one of his first things sworn in as governor, give free health care to illegals. From an economic standpoint, uh, I would, I'm not surprised all the middle class is moving out of California. And, they're, and it's starting in New York, too. They're getting, the, getting out of there. Yeah, these, these uh, programs are, are very expensive. And the problem is yeah. that uh, they're going to attract large numbers of uh, illegal Immigrants, because wherever the politics. immigrants are, it's all politics. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's it's all it's not about caring for the American people. It's about the democratic agenda. Yeah, and many of these things are really against what's best for the American uh, people. You're going to put burdens on the uh, healthcare system. Uh, I mean, what what happens if you have a situation where uh, two people need surgery quickly? Um, one person is somebody who actually pays for their health care. Another is an undocumented uh, immigrant who gets free health care. Um, if, if the undocumented person goes in ahead of you for any kind of procedure, you know, you're going to think twice about that. Uh, I mean, you're paying for it. They're not. And why are they getting a better service than uh, you're getting? Look, we're all sympathetic. We're all compassionate people. Uh, we don't want to see any harm come to to anybody, but the the, the truth is, um, the U.S. can't take care of, of every uh, person in the well, world well, that's well, in poverty. Yeah, you know, the World Health Organization estimates there's over a billion children worldwide living in poverty. Uh, do we want to say, listen, all of you just come here and go to California or New York, and we'll completely take care of you? I mean, obviously, we don't have near the resources to be able to do that. So they have to be very careful when they institute programs like this. Yeah, absolutely. Very well said. I, I want to get uh, – I, I do have my uh, producer, 
very talented producer, also doing a lot of different political activist stuff and entrepreneur. Uh, Rob Hicks on the phone. How are you, bud? Hey, Roy. Good, good to have you here. Good to have you here. Um, I, I do want to get to you. I do want to. Um, I want. I want with everybody because we have a lot of bunch of new people on the line. I want to talk about Trump's speech tonight. Uh, but first of all, uh, Will, uh, your thoughts on, on what we just talked about? Will he caught me off guard? Yeah, I'm here. Okay. Okay. Um, did you Did you hear what we were discussing? I was in and out. I had someone in my ear. Sorry. Okay. Okay. But okay. So I do want to. I do want to ask you. Uh, about your Candace Owens interview, but real quick, um, Josh, what are your thoughts real quick about what uh, Dr. Bussler just said? Well, you know, the one thing I, I thought was most interesting about that whole conversation was um, the idea of whoever's going to be, you know, Trump's challenger um, is, is going to be a very interesting question that really is going to be something that's going to, you know, hinge um, on a lot of what's going on right now with, you know, these illegal immigration questions, uh, immigration in general questions, you know, um, the way that his challenger approaches these issues in 2020 is really going to be a big deal. And I, I kind of had a question uh, in regards to that for the rest of the call that I thought, you know, a couple people um, might have interesting answers for. But do you does anybody think that Obama, former President Barack Obama, or uh, you know uh, Osama, as you say, Rory, uh, you know, <laughs> is going to have, you know, do you think that that uh, he's going to have a big effect, or at least a bigger effect, um, in in campaigning for the Democrat, whoever it may be, in 2020? I didn't know if anybody thought that that was an accurate statement or would push back on that. Will your thoughts? Um, as far as Barack Hussein Obama, you know, no, just in, ter- in terms of 2020 contenders. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, Joe Biden, you know, is saying that he's going to run and they're all, for the most part, they're saying that Joe Biden is probably going to be like the, the front runner, the best choice to go against, uh, Trump in 2020. And then possibly rumor had it that Obama will be his VP. So, and then at the same time, I've always I've heard the, uh, that Michelle Obama or Michael Obama, whichever you prefer, Michael um, Michael Robinson. She, yes. Yeah, Michael Robinson is going to run, and you know, and then probably Oprah Winfrey will be the VP. You know, oh, the Democrats no. the Democrats are going to they're going to demonize President Trump no matter who they have running. And to be honest with yep. you, I think the American people are going to see what the Democrats are going to be truly doing to this country to where the, I don't personally, I don't think they have a chance, but what they did in this past midterm election, that's the only reason why the Democrats have a chance because if they can steal whatever it is they want to steal, they're going to. Yeah, yeah, and and Will, you're you're a big activist, and and you're out there doing your thing constantly, and uh, everybody can find you online, Will Will Johnson. Um, but but I want I really want to ask you, and you and Candace Owens, Candace Owens is a very popular figure right now. Everybody knows that she's all over the news, all over the headlines, everywhere. Uh, you guys had a great interview the other day. Please elaborate and, and speak on that, because 
you know, uh, you got you got a lot of attention for that. Yeah, so Candace Owen came on my broadcast, and she's actually holding an event in L.A., of all places, called Blexit. And that is the Black Latino exit from the Democrat Party. And everyone is welcome. And the reason why a lot of people were, like, pushing away from it because they thought it was just for black people. But, no, we need black people to join the Republican Party like never before. And if the Republican Party is a party of white people, they need black people. And I'm going to the Republican Party. Now, do I like all the Republicans? Absolutely not because of blah, 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 blah. But, anyways, Blexit is going to take place in L.A., where we're going to have there's going to be a lot of speakers there. We're going to be talking to people why you should leave the Democrat Party. Um, I'm going to be sitting on a panel talking about how the hip hop community and hip hop world has destroyed the minds of young, not even just black, but they destroyed the minds of young black, brown, and white kids to think differently yeah. because they put all this negative message out there. And for some reason, the mainstream media has no problem with it. But as soon as Donald Trump says something, they Say, oh, it's despicable. Can you believe he said such a thing? But they're completely in cahoots. They're completely okay with someone talking about going down the street, shooting up a car, uh, selling drugs, prostituting women, doing all of this crazy stuff. They're completely okay with it. They're complacent. They say nothing. But if Donald Trump says the slightest thing, they're all over it. And you know, when Candace mm-hmm. Owen came on with me, we talked, we got into detail about it and about the event, and everybody's welcome. And we're trying to, pro- trying to get everyone to get aware of it. You know, she doesn't really need my help to promote it, but she, she was willing to come on to my broadcast to, to talk about it because there might be someone that will see that video that may never even see her video. You know, so getting the message out there is already hard enough because we have. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube. Then you have the mainstream media trying to shut it all down. When I went to the White House, standing in the White House with 400 other black people, the mainstream media did not want to tell anybody about it because they do not want people to know that black people support the president. I mean, it's like it's really crazy. Yeah, and you were you you know tell everybody about that. You were over there a couple of months ago for it was all over it was all over at least Fox News and Breitbart that you guys were over there. Well, of course, yeah. You know they're going to talk about it, but the actually who was it? Um, Jesse, not Jesse, but uh, uh, Reverend. Uh, what well, they call him? He called himself a Reverend, but he's not a Reverend. Al Sharpton said Sharpton, that yeah. we were paid. Yeah, he said that we were paid to be there in the White House to make it look like Donald Trump cares about black people. You know what? I'm still waiting on my check. I'm still waiting on my check, you know, if that's the case. That's not (laughs) – you know what? I went there because I'm showing my support and the mainstream media to come out and lie. And then Roland Martin shows up trying to do damage control, trying to convince black people, saying you don't need to support the Republican Party. They're the party of old white men, which is a total lie. See, I've done my research and come to find out when the Republican Party was first created, 23 of the first senators in the Republican Party were black men. So for them to come out and sit there and say that the Republican Party is only for white people is a total lie. And for the years and after year after year, majority of the yeah. black community have believed this nonsense. Right. So we, not, we need to, let, we need to let, wake up. And you know what? Go ahead. No, go ahead. 
I was just going to make one last statement. And what I really come to realize that the Repub- the people in the Republican Party, specifically white people in the Republican Party, are not racist. The Democrats, they are the racist ones. They use everything right. let, to try to divide let's us. Face it. Let's face it. Who freed the slaves? Republicans. Who were the ones that started plantations, the KKK, and slavery? The Democrats. Yes. And which, which party created BAM? Which party created, B, uh, created BLM? Which party created Antifa? Which, which party created the Weathermen? All of Planned them came the Democrat Party. Planned Parenthood. And that's why, you know what, yep. and that's why I asked this question. And I ask this question to a lot of people, especially when I talk to liberals. I ask them this question. I said if, the, if Satan went to the DNC to talk about his policies, which policies would the Democrats disagree with? <laughs> it's a good way. I mean, seriously, it. that's a good way of putting it. Just think about uh, it. Just I think like about it. If he's up on the pa- yeah, if he's up there talking about his policies, which ones would they disagree with? They would probably stand up and clap. You're you're, ab- you're absolutely right. You know, I I do want to get into. You know, we we do have a little while left, but I do want to get into and, and get everybody's opinion, which was the, obviously the main headline tonight. I talked about it earlier in the show. But Trump's speech, and I, and I played the whole speech earlier in the show, but obviously everybody watched it. Uh, I know there's a lot of takeaways. I know there's a lot of thoughts. I do want Rob, my producer, I want your thoughts first. What, what did you think of the speech, Rob? So I, I was expecting it, it to be different, and, and I think some, something, something in my gut tells me that something changed over the last couple of days. Um, and he cut bait and and delivered a very short speech that that that, that Pelosi and Schumer were not expecting. Was it? You, you noticed that it took upwards of like five minutes for them to, to for for them to do the rebuttal. And and I have yeah. to think that they were expecting him to deliver a much longer speech. And yeah. and it's like they caught he he purposely cut it short. To throw them off their game, and they look like total right. idiots. I mean, you know, Nancy's all botoxed up with her eyes like, <laughs> like I almost wanted to see toothpicks holding her eyes yeah. open. It was just, it was a shit show, and it was just, it was comical to see. I mean, it's like, I almost wish Will that that I, I got to download the video, but it's like, it seems like it would almost be perfect to be able to cut out the flags behind them and then put in like a green screen and <laughs> have all kinds of like mean fun. Uh, behind them, but like I said, I, 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 something tells me that, that something something changed because I, I I was thinking that you know he would say, look, uh, we're appropriating the funds for the border and uh, and that that's it. But you know, it, it seems to me like he, he's going to give them a little bit more 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 noose. Uh, so that they can hang themselves over the next, you know, couple three days or so, and then I, th- I think I think he's ultimately just going to have the Army Corps of Engineers build the wall. Josh, let's go I'm to you. so ready for President Trump to go on the offensive. Sorry, go ahead. No, you're good, Will. No, you know, I, Rob, I uh, I agree, I agree, and I, you know, it's. Uh, their bewildered faces were quite hysterical, and I, and I do think you should cut uh, cut the flags out and put a green screen behind them. In all honesty, um, but, you I've know, already created it's, one. It's, 
Fantastic. <laughs> I post on social media because I'll have to go look at it. We're gonna tweet it. You know, it's it's uh it's it's a funny situation that we're that we're in right now with with this whole ordeal because I think the Democrats have gotten to the point where they it, it hasn't gone exactly the way they wanted it to. I think they were hoping for more public outrage against the president. You know, except the problem is. There's a good majority of Americans, uh, in my opinion, and I know I think this way, that thinks that the government spends too much money and, you know, it, it could go for a little bit of shutdown. Like when I think of government shutdown, when I think of them, I'm like, oh, you mean they won't be blowing my tax dollars uh, for no reason? I think of that as a good thing. So if it's shut down for a couple weeks or a couple days, no skin off my back, I think that's the way most of Americans think. And I think it's backfired on the Democrat leadership. The, the one thing I'll yeah, add to what, what Trump said, what, the one thing I'll add to what Trump did, I think, extremely effectively, is is he, he he personalized the damage that illegal immigration has caused, and he went state by state, talking about the atrocities and saying, you know, I've held the hands of of the wives and cried with the fathers, and it it, it, it literally almost brought me to tears, and I'm like, wow, that's. That's personalizing it, like Nancy and and Chuck Schumer just didn't do. I mean, they just they just came across like the total opposite. They're just these bureaucratic oligarchs, right? That are just sitting there saying, "We know best." And Trump, they just seem robotic. And when and that was such a contrast to Trump personalizing it and and going you know across the states with the personal stories. Yeah. Yeah, very, very well said. I, I do want to, uh, Doctor Bussler, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm sorry, I was away from the phone for uh, a second. Um, what, what was the topic we were talking about, real fast? Yeah, just about Trump's speech. I want to know your whole. Your, oh yeah, your, yeah, yeah. Okay. You know, what, uh, you, you know um, regarding the length of of the uh, speech, I, I think ahead of time they said his speech was only going to last eight minutes. There would be a three-minute break, and then the Democrats would give an, an eight-minute response. Um, so I think Trump wanted to come and uh, give a speech d- directly from the Oval Office, which uh, gives that feeling of um, uh, authority, and it gives a lot more seriousness, I think, to the speech. But he wanted to come across very uh, quickly and short. He didn't want to. He gave a lot of facts. I think he was very careful to make sure the facts were as accurate uh, as they can be. And I know the Democrats will dispute them uh, anyway. Um, but he wanted to lay out his case to the uh, American public. I think he did that in a good job. I also agree. I think Nancy and Chuck looked a little bit uh, dumbfounded there. Uh, they almost had kind of a, a blank stare in their eyes for much of the time. Um, and I don't think they came across real real strong. Uh, so I think Trump laid out what he wanted to do to the uh, American public. Uh, the Democrats, I thought, gave a, a fairly uh, weak response. Um, now we'll just have to see what happens. Unfortunately, as we know, the media um, strongly favors the Democrats. And no matter what Trump says, they're going to come out with uh, something negative about it. But I think uh, Trump is right to hang in there. Um, it's not just a campaign promise he made. Uh, it's something that he believes is a critical problem that is uh, border security and safety for 
Americans, and I think he's going to uh, stick with it and um, uh, insist on getting some funding for the border wall. I was a little bit surprised. I, I thought he might even have declared this a national emergency at, during this speech. I know he didn't, but I thought he might have done that, and then um, he could then use funds to build the wall. Now, there would be a legal challenge to that, but it would take right. some time before the legal yeah. challenge uh, got through the courts, number one. And number two, I think um, Trump's action could withstand legal challenge, um, and he could probably uh, build the wall that way. Uh, politically, it might be a difficult thing for him to do, which is why he's a little bit hesitant to do it. But he yeah. called uh, Chuck and Nancy into the uh, White House tomorrow to try to come up with something. I think if they don't yeah. come up with a deal within the next week, I think Trump will declare the national emergency and go that route. Me too. And we are we are running low on time, but I, I do want to quickly get Will uh, Johnson's opinion. Uh, will uh, about a minute uh, about a minute for you, but uh, give give us your opinion on this. You know, I think it's. I think his speech was uh, spot on. And you know what? The thing that really caught my attention was after his speech. Everything he said was yeah. factual. And it was real touching, and he was, real, he was presidential. What really got my right. attention is that the, the, the liberal media afterwards, come on, we need to fact check everything that he was saying. And everything he was yeah. saying was true. And yep. when Nancy Pelosi and Chucky went on, they, not a single time did they say, let's fact check Chucky and Nancy. Not a single time. Right. You're right. <laughs> and make straight You're up right. lie. You're absolutely right, Will Johnson. Very well said. And I just want to say to every, for, to the God bless Kanye West, man. God bless Kanye West for sticking to his, you know, gut feeling and not letting other people tell him what to think. I love the whole free thinkers thing. I, I think it's the greatest thing, and we need to get more people on that on that route. I mean, you know, and, and it's great, you know. And, and I I wanted to give a shout out to Kanye last week, but I forgot to do it. But I mean, this is a huge thing going on. I mean, Kanye is making a huge difference uh, with with black voters uh, mindset. That's for damn sure. And let let's make one point right here, Will. LeBron keeps trying to say that he's better than Michael Jordan. LeBron will never be better than Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan is the greatest player of all time. Nobody will ever match him. So, and the thing about Jordan, real quick, and this was all in politics last week. You know, LeBron says he's the greatest of all time. Jordan never needed to say he was the greatest because Jordan knew he was. Jordan knew himself he was the greatest. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I agree. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and the whole I, I just I'm sick of athletes and you know celebrities that are on the left getting involved with politics and getting so hostile. It, it, it's very upsetting. But Jordan will always be better than LeBron. Let's just put that to rest right now. And you know, um, you know, and LeBron's politics are so <laughs> off the wall and so hateful against Trump. I'm tired of it. Um, but to, but to end on this note, um, Dr. Bustler. Um, please tell everybody where they can find you. Yes. Um, you can always get me on my Twitter account at M B U S L E R. That's at M B U S L E R M Bustler. I also have a Facebook page, uh, facebook.com forward slash funding democracy. Or if you're just on your own Facebook page, search for funding democracy. Perfect. Dr. Bustler. We'll have you on again soon uh, next week, and uh, God bless you. Have a good night.
Thank you very much. You too. Rob, tell everybody where they can find you. Hix Video, H-I-X Video. Excellent, excellent. Uh, sounds good. And then, uh, Josh, go ahead. Yeah, follow me on Instagram at H-L-A-V-A-T-Y-J-O-S-H. Excellent. And then Will Johnson. UniteAmericaFirst.com. Amen, brother. And uh, you can always find me at uh, the Donald J. TrumpStore.com, my clothing, all the customized, authentic, and uh, creative merchandise. Also visit our new media site, TheNextGenUSA.com. Again, that's TheNextGenUSA.com. Also visit GetYourAppBuilt.com. Again, that's GetYourAppBuilt.com. We have so much other things that we will be bringing to you this week, Uh, many more special guests. Uh, You can always find our show all over the Internet. We're on over 40 different platforms. Um, And I want to, again, tonight thank all my special guests, all my co-hosts, my audience, my sponsors. We're now listened to and downloadable in 19 countries, so we're doing very well, and uh, it means so much to me. Uh, Everybody, we'll be back with you tomorrow night. Uh, I am Rory Sauter. I want to thank all of you. Uh, God bless you, and we will talk. We'll see you soon. Cheers.